Greetings, happy warriors, and welcome to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, reveal how the world really works. Great to have you along for the show, and thank you, as always, for everything that you have all done in order to help promote the show, make it grow, and increase the number of people who are listening. So thank you very much indeed to those of you who've sent out URLs to friends or linked it to friends or in in some way or another helped to spread the good word. Much appreciated. Now, one of the things that um, I've often spoken about and uh, need to elaborate upon a little bit uh, for you today is that uh, a great deal of what passes for uh, mental unease, anxiety, stress, even certain aspects of depression, um, a whole lot of what many modern people, and this is particularly true for the United States of America, uh, but it's increasingly true elsewhere as well, and and that is that uh, the number of people who are turning to mental health professionals Um, is very high. It's been growing. It continues to grow. Uh, The number of people who are under treatment or have been under treatment, uh, very high indeed, higher than any other time. Now, part of what we have to know is, of course, that the, um, the, the money trail explains much as it often does. And that is that the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the DSM, Uh, the current edition of the uh, medical profession um, is, um, (laughs) it's bigger than it's ever been before. And the number of uh, classifications of mental disorder continues to rise and uh, continues to grow. Now, uh, the reality is that there really uh, is very little reason for psychiatry, therapy, mental health, very little reason for this to be part of what we think of as medicine. We're very accustomed to it today already. We're used to it. We, you know, Dr. So-and-so is a psychiatrist. Dr. So-and-so is a psychologist with a PhD. And so we're accustomed to thinking that way. And what's more, the government has absorbed it in to the vast industrial complex of, uh, of medicine, which has been moving more and more and more to become a government function in the United States of America. And so uh, it's very shocking, I'm sure, for you to hear me say what I'm saying. In fact, your first instinct will be to, to toss it out as the ridiculous ramblings of a deranged mind. But uh, to, what, to whatever extent you give me credit, uh, you will at least be open to this idea, which is, yeah, um, mental health has nothing to do with medicine. Uh, medicine has to do with biological processes, things that can be measured, things that are, if you like, scientific, um, treatments that can be provided. None of that is true in the mental health professions. There is no objective way to measure uh, all of the diseases, so-called mental diseases that fall into the DSM. 
and uh, there is no way to um, to solve them biologically or organically. Uh, it, it's another field. What sort of field is it? <laughs> it's a field of, of spirituality. That's where it belongs. And so the reason that I speak not of just four Fs of family and finance, friendships and fitness, but also the fifth one of faith is precisely because so much of our mental harmony, our tranquility, our stability, all of that uh, is based on spiritual factors. Uh, There is no way to measure a mental condition because it's not biological. It's not physical. It is a spiritual issue. Ideally, uh, we should have spiritual people to take care of it. But today, uh, rabbis, for (laughs) to a large extent, congregational rabbis, have become social workers and uh, entertainers and schedulers and uh, and loneliness counselors. Uh, just the 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 original training, the part of life that clergymen of of all faiths um, absorbed and had enabled them to better cater to this. And what's more, the preponderance of uh, medical disorder of mental disorder. Uh, was much less than it was today because many of the conditions of modernity contribute to mental unease. And uh, I'm going to talk about one specifically today, which even if, um, you know, hopefully each and every one of you is in good shape, but to whatever extent you are feeling mental stress, whatever extent you feel anxiety, to whatever extent you sometimes find yourself feeling depressed, uh, I want you to contemplate the possibility that the topic of today uh, will help to clarify and and very probably ease whatever it is that you're feeling. Um, and, okay, so what is the topic? The topic is connection through time. Now, we've done a lot of talking in the past uh, in, in every area having to do with finances and having to do with uh, fitness, uh, the value of connection with family and friends. And, uh, and unless you are a very new listener, and if you are, I recommend you go back and listen to earlier shows, but unless you are a new member, you've got a pretty good idea already of how important it is uh, to build connections. I've told you about how important it is to actually measure the number of connections you have because you can't grow or improve or change anything if you don't have a, uh, a metric, you don't have a numerical baseline. So uh, building the number of friends you have, we've discussed this, really important. Connecting with uh, siblings and cousins and aunts and uncles, nephews and nieces, really obviously important and uh, And uh, I've spoken in the past about the Harvard Longitudinal Study, which is, by the way, it's nearly 100 years old now, I think. You know, think of it, three generations and more and counting, still going on. Um, The the one thing that when they speak to middle-aged and older people, the thing that makes them happiest, the most important thing in their lives uh, is, um, funnily enough, not their physical health, but the state of their family connections. 
And so uh, the, the, the reality that so many people in their 20s today are ignoring, utterly ignoring the importance of building family connections um, is, is very scary for what lies ahead. Now, uh, I do lay out in, in considerable detail the foundation of family connection in an audio program, which I think you're going to love. Uh, it's easy to download. You can download it right away, and you get a um, uh, nearly two hours of explanation and teaching, plus a 16-page full-color study guide, and um, it, it is called Madam, I'm Adam, Decoding the Marriage Secrets of Eden. And you can just download this and listen to it tonight. And the great thing about this is that uh, it cannot help but improve the communication between you and your spouse if you listen to it together. And if you're not yet married and you are seeing somebody or there is somebody you're thinking about seriously, maybe you're having uh, some challenges making up your mind, why don't you just listen to this together with them? Madam, I'm Adam, Decoding the Marriage Secrets of Eden. And uh, what you do is you go to our website, rabbidaniellappin.com, go to the store section and, um, and look for instant downloads. And then you look for Madam, I'm Adam, Decoding the Marriage Secrets of Eden. And yes, it's biblically based, but that's part of what we're talking about. In other words, um, who are you, take, given, taking it as a given, that your family connections will become increasingly important to you. They're important now, but in 10 years' time, they're going to be more important, and in 20 years' time, they're going to be even more important, given that that's a reality. And if you think about that for a few minutes, you'll see that that's a reality. It'll become clear to you. Uh, you've got to ask yourself, you know, where are you going to get more accurate information on the uh, creation, nurturing, maintenance of family, um, are you going to find that in the um, psychology department of your local university campus? Or are you going to find it in ancient Jewish wisdom seen through the Bible? Okay, well, there's an easy way to find out. Compare it, right? I, I don't like telling you. You know, there's nothing I'm telling you you've got to do or you've got to believe or you've got to think. I'm, I'm saying be open to ideas explore and make sure that you're open to ideas that you intuitively might have rejected uh, a year ago or five years ago, because unless you can open your ears and your heart to ideas that strike you as uh, wrong, dogmatic, distorted, alien, uh, you condemn yourself to perpetual stagnation. And uh, what that basically means is that you become a tennis ball floating down the gutter of life, and that is not what a happy warrior is. And so uh, head over to rabbidaniellappin.com, go to the store, and uh, look for more information on Madam I'm Adam, Decoding the Marriage Secrets of Eden, um, and, and you'll see uh, there... Um, we discuss really important things such as the importance of being in the mood for marital relations. Is that an important thing or is that a, a, a mistake in modern married life? 
one needs to know whether, you know, I'm just not in the mood. Is that legitimate or not legitimate? Is it a good thing, not a good thing? One has to understand that. Um, what is the difference between a physically mature male human being and a man? Um, who is more responsible when a couple argues and fights, the husband or the wife? What is the most common mistake that women frequently make after children arrive, after a child arrives even? These are all basic and important questions having to do with structure of family. So in the 5F rejuvenation program, um, and I'm sure many of you have already downloaded the Holistic You, which is a free ebook on the website, The Holistic You, speaking about how to integrate and tie together the five fundamental foundations of life, your family, your finances, your friendships, your faith, and your physical fitness. And uh, we cover that in The Holistic You, which you can download. So, yes, we've spoken about finance. Uh, we've spoken about friendships. We've spoken about family. These are things we've discussed. But uh, what I haven't spoken with you before about is the importance for our mental tranquility to have connections through time. What am I speaking about? Look, these are not things that I suck out of the air. You know, I don't, I don't just sit around one day and say, well, why don't we talk about this? These are very foundational ideas that came to me through my teachers and the teachers of my teachers and the teachers of the teachers of my teachers uh, in biblical understanding through the lens of ancient Jewish wisdom. But there are plenty other people who understood this as well. And one of those is um, Edmund Burke. Edmund Burke was an Irish-English thinker, very influential politician, and uh, in 1790, he wrote a killer book called Reflections on the Revolution in France. And uh, he lets us know in no uncertain terms, in many cases prophetically, what, uh, what devastation will be inflicted on France by the ideas of the French Revolution. But the reason I mention Edmund Burke is because he is best known, I think, for uh, his observation that society, our society, is a partnership, and now I'm quoting him, not only between those who are living, but between those who are living, those who are dead, and those who are to be born. Now, in the United States of America today and uh, uh, in Canada and in many European countries, we are living in times that reject the notion of connection to the future. We tolerate a situation where vast numbers of children being born right now as I speak will have no connection with their fathers. Their fathers were nothing but sperm providers 
who will never again have anything to do with the child they conceived. That means that more and more people are going to have less and less awareness of the past, less connection to the past. Now, one of the things I've told you, and and I repeat to you again if you don't know this, and that is if you are raising children now, I beg you to make sure that you link them to their past. And you do that through grandparents. You do it through stories. You do it through family history to make sure that your children have an inbuilt intuitive feeling for where they came from. And the reason to do this is for their mental health. Now, because they are your children, they're your future, and so while you're giving them your past, their past, excuse me, while you're giving them their past, they are giving you your future. And if you want to know why there is so much mental distress in society today, a large part of it is because people are delinked from their past and from the future. A people that is properly connected to the past doesn't destroy statues. They don't rename institutions and buildings and uh, organizations. They don't do that because they understand the past is the past. The past has its good aspects. The past obviously has its bad aspects. And think about it. Every thing wrong, anything wrong in your life right now is the result, most likely, of mistakes you made in the past. So yes, the past can be bitter and painful, absolutely, but it still is what links you to the past. A a society that recognizes the importance of the future would not carry out the killing of unborn children or as Edmund Burke put it better than I could, society is a partnership not only between those who are living, but between those who are living and those who are dead and those who are to be born. And so you have to figure out if your past and your future is in any way neglected and you're feeling general anxiety, I am here to let you know that there is a very high probability that the reason behind the stress you feel, the reason behind the anxiety you feel, the reason behind the general depression you might feel is very likely to be disconnection from the past and disconnection from the future. In other words, something that ancient Jewish wisdom knows and understands and that is tending to be forgotten. And if you gain your education on a modern American university campus and your worldview is derived from modern academia, you will never hear one word of importance attached to your past and to your future. Because one of the uh, sad aspects of secular fundamentalism, the faith which now dominates American culture and that of many other countries, is that only the present matters. 
Oh, yes, I mean, we're trying to build a utopia for the future. Absolutely. And we're trying to make sure the environment survives for the future. Yeah, sure. But none of this has to do with your being. None of this has to do with anything that you have to do about yourself and your own life. And what ancient Jewish wisdom communicates to you, and you'll, you'll derive a great deal of that from Madam, I'm Adam, uh, the uh, audio program download I told you about, and uh, you'll derive a great deal of that also from the holistic you. Uh, what's, what, what's so valuable about this is that there are ways, regardless of what your situation in life is, there are ways in which you can increase your connection with the past and with the future. Uh, for one thing, you can explore your own family history. Uh, there are even people out there who are specialists. Let's say you don't know much about your family history. Reconnect with it. Are you estranged from a living parent? Well, you may want to think about doing something about that. Uh, it'll definitely improve your life. I'm not saying it won't be painless, but the uh, you know it's like <laughs> it's like a, a very good diet regimen. It's going to be painful, but it will improve your life, right? And so similarly, uh, the same is true in a situation where you know, unfortunately, you may be estranged from a living parent. Um, you may not have much time to take care of this. And so, and I'm not saying you weren't estranged for a very good reason. And, you know, and I'm sure nobody's perfect. And I'm sure that, uh, that the parent from whom you're estranged bears considerable responsibility for that sad condition. But that's not the issue. The issue is your mental tranquility. The issue now is your mental health, your ability to move forward and improve the rest of your life from today going forward. So that's one thing you could do. Uh, the um, uh, strengthening the connection with parents. How about their parents getting to know more about them, finding a little more about the lives they led? And it's not always easy to uncover this, but it can be done. It really makes a difference spiritually in terms of your mental health. Because as I said, the truth is that there is no reason whatsoever for mental health to be regarded as a medical condition because it isn't. Medicine is about the physical body and about science, and your mental equilibrium is entirely spiritual. I understand the political and economic reasons for why the forces the socioeconomic forces have moved mental health into the medical arena. And I understand the huge sums of money involved and uh, what's called, I get all that, but I'm just saying that for your use, for your benefit and for the improvement of your life, there really is no reason for you to be misled into thinking that the solution to any um, mental unease that you feel can all be solved by medicine, by therapists, by prescriptions. No, that's not how it works. And one of the key things so absent from everything you've been taught ever since you were in school, I mean, if, if, if you were in school any time post-1962, the rot had already set in. And, um, and all that matters 
is you must know that the past is all about slavery and the future is all about the destruction of the planet. No, that's not the reality. The reality is that you, happy warrior, you, you do have a past and you need to be connected to it. And what's more, you do have a future and you need to be connected to that as well. So for the sake of your mental tranquility, make sure that you are connected to your past. To some extent, improve your connection to your past. How about connection to your future? Well, uh, here, obviously, uh, the most important mechanism is reproduction. Um, raising a child, having a child and raising a child. It's not the only way. Uh, one way is becoming very, uh, as influential as you can in the life of a grandchild. You know, maybe your connection skips a generation. That happens. Um, Susan Lappin and I actually know a number of grandparents who are actually raising their grandchildren. Heroic, by the way, absolutely heroic. But as much joy and beauty and value that the children are getting, don't think it's one way because the grandparents are getting enormous spiritual and mental powers as well by being able to build such a strong connection to the future. And so uh, even if it's not a grandchild, uh, providing mentoring to a, a young person, helping to guide them on the path of life, any way that you can reach forward into the future uh, in such a way, and, and again, not to be morbid about this at all, but, but one way of measuring it is to say to yourself, am I doing something now that even after I have moved on to the world of the spirit, there is going to be some human being here on earth still who is going to realize that their life was impacted by something I did, something I taught, something I gave, something I shared, and that's really the, the concept. Um, this is something that um, I think on some deep level, at some point or another, pretty much everybody realizes. Women, much earlier than men, much earlier. Uh, women, they even have a term for it, right? Baby hunger. Women start feeling a need for a child, usually much more than men do, but men have it as well. And uh, one of the interesting things that's happening right now as, uh, as a result of this dawning awareness, because, see, th the trouble is that very, very many young people today, even women, have been indoctrinated to believe that they must spend their uh, 20s and sometimes even their 30s uh, building up their careers. And, and the sad thing is that, you know, not every woman who wants a career ends up as the head of a multinational corporation. Some women who dream of a career end up as cashiers or waitresses. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the reality. And then the time goes by and they say to themselves, that's weird. No husband, no children, and to be honest... Not a whole lot of career either. Job, yes. Career, 
Not so much. Tragic and sad. And what uh, what is happening? What are people doing, particularly uh, when they discover that uh, when they want to have a baby, it's not that easy? Um, you know, again, I, I'm not going to go into the, the medical aspects of it. I, I know a little bit about it, but uh, there, there's much more reliable information elsewhere. But it has to do with the fact that after a woman has spent 20 years doing her hardest to avoid becoming pregnant, usually by means of hormone-based medication, the so-called pill, uh, it's not always easy to turn it back on again, particularly as the years have advanced, because fertility of a woman at 38 is really, really not the same as the fertility of a woman at 28, and certainly not the same as the fertility of a woman at 18. Um, I don't have to talk about men. There are different problems there, but the problems are there as well. But but here's a, a very interesting thing. You know, I, 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 I like to spot behaviors and trends and then to try and understand uh, how the world really works from those things. Well, listen to uh, to this. this. This is really very, very, very interesting. Um, I'm, I'm recording this in April 2023, right? So in 1999, that's 24 years ago, um, there were very few um, surrogate mother births in the United States of America, less than a 1,000. You know, it, it just wasn't that common 24 years ago. But um, the figure for four years ago in 2019 was nearly 10,000 surrogate mothers. So that means that um, this is a case where um, sometimes the uh, a woman is is having difficulty getting pregnant, but they're able to extract an ovum, and they're able to fertilize it uh, with a sperm. And then this gets implanted in a woman who is essentially um, a womb for rent. Not room for rent, womb, W-O-M-B, for rent. And um, uh, and that's, that's exactly, she then carries this baby for nine months and uh, and then gives birth and at some point hands the baby back. Um, there is a great deal of information already, and I'm sure more will become apparent, that the process of wresting a child away from the woman who gave birth to it, even though the biological DNA is from another woman, uh, is not without pain and not, not without consequence. And so... Uh, these, the, and again, I'm not saying that people should not use surrogacy if it's the only way to have a child, but I'm just saying that everybody must remember that everything comes with a cost. We all have to remember that, and we all have to be able to weigh up the cost because even things that we conclude are very desirable, very good, and very wonderful, they do come with a cost, and uh, and I have been astounded. I've been doing a lot of reading lately uh, on the growth in surrogacy, the, the number of people. By the way, it also includes, would you believe it, this includes very affluent uh, young women who do not want their bodies to go through pregnancy, but they do want to have children. 
and so they rent a womb. They, they pay another woman to carry their child to term and to give birth to the child. Um, it's, uh, it's quite fascinating. The, uh, there are women who have frozen their eggs, again, in order to postpone reproduction. And uh, in some of these cases of surrogacy, they are pulling uh, previously frozen eggs out of frozen storage, fertilizing them and having them implanted in women who have been hired to carry the baby. Uh, That's an amazing growth from uh, 1999 to 2019, right? That's in 20 years, uh, it's gone from a thousand, less than a thousand known uh, surrogate births all the way up to 10,000. Something is going on in society, and it's important that we are aware of it and that we understand uh, what is going on. There's a lot of things, more than I'll go into now, but one of the things is clear that um, uh, people, women particularly, but men are also to blame, were not listening to me 20 years ago when I said, you are going to want a child. You're going to want a child desperately. That's one of the things that's happening. There's no question about it. 20 years have gone by, and now they're saying, oh, he was a real Ayatollah Yuso. He was right. <laughs> not, I mean, not me, of course, but, uh, but the, this, this conflict in society between, if you like, the wisdom of the past, the idea that people have always known the value of having a link to the future through children, and how damaging it is to your mental tranquility and how damaging it is to your psyche to be blocked from the future, to have no connection to the future. Uh, People knew that. But over the last couple of decades, there's been an idea that we can remake human beings. And surely it's more rational and more scientific to devote our 20s and 30s to building our careers, and then we can worry about family after that. Well, that is not so simple at all. Um, you know, on our website at rabbidaniellappin.com, we have an Ask the Rabbi column. And uh, although we don't publish uh, the kind of letter I'm about to describe, it is one of the more common letters we receive, which is, where were you when I was 25 years old? Why didn't anybody tell me these things when I was 25 years old? We get that kind of letter uh, again and again and again, and it gives us no pleasure at all, I can assure you. Uh, it is very sad. But um, we're, we're living in a time where uh, the conceit that has swept through society Capturing the minds of men and women is the idea that uh, values, principles, institutions of the past are irrelevant to today. And so, whereas it used to well be known how valuable family was and how important it was to raise a child, yes, it's hard. There's no question about it. Much easier to drop your kids into daycare. Much easier to let your kids be raised by a blaring television or a, an iPad screen. 
um, all of those. Yeah, absolutely. But for a mother and a father to be dedicated to their children and to raise them, that's a 24-7 occupation for many years. But this used to be understood to be a source of genuine joy. And now it's been stripped away and the value that used to accrue from the fact that children de facto connected you to the future, it changed your entire mental perspective. All of a sudden, you, in a sense, were not ever going to be afflicted by death in the same way as other people because, in a way, you would live forever. That's what call, That's what being connected to the future actually means. Look, um, I tell you, I tell you these things in in the hope that uh, I'm telling them to you in time for your life. And if if you have already joined our Happy Warriors community, then uh, it's easy for you to write to me and let me know where things are with you and whether you are making progress in your five S, and above all, whether you are connecting to the future. And, you know, something else that uh, uh, understanding how the world really works means that you do understand how the world really works is, uh, again, a, a simple fact. If you're a long-time listener, you've heard me speak about this before. If not, then I'll tell it to you for the first time. And that is that um, uh, intercourse is equal to marriage. It's as simple as that. When a man and a woman experience physical intimacy, the bond that is created is actually eternal. Now, I understand that there is a, a whole world of hookup culture where uh, the man and woman don't ever see each other again, or they might continue a relationship for a few months, but both of them understand that there's nothing uh, long-term about it. They might even live together, and they might even smilingly tell one another, oh, we don't need a piece of paper that tells us we're married. We're together. And all that they are really saying to one another is, yes, we are together until a better alternative comes along, because marriage is a lifetime commitment. So <laughs> this is not so simple. But knowing that intercourse equals marriage helps to explain the anti-male feelings that have permeated the culture over the last 20 or 30 years. Haven't you wondered, like, why is it? Why all of a sudden is it toxic masculinity? Why, is it, why not toxic femininity? You know, why is it that uh, males are wrong and we've got to do everything we can for women? So today in uh, medical schools, the majority of the incoming class each year is women. And you say, well, that's wonderful. We're making up for the past. Well, it's not really wonderful because uh, we know for an absolute fact, and these, these are not arguable statistics, we know that on average uh, women work uh, about 60 to 70% of the number of hours a week that men do in medicine. That's right. Women make quality of life decisions, and uh, more often than not, a woman doctor will work 
usually, you know, four days a week, whereas a man is working five, sometimes six days a week. Uh, so, yes, I could tell you that it it does make a difference to the uh, public health statistics for a country if the majority of doctors that are in medical school now are only going to be working part-time. But be that as it may, the question is why? Why is there so much anti-masculine feeling, anti-men feeling? And I'm going to give you the answer now. The answer is very simple. It's sad and it's horrible, but it's very simple. And the answer is that for a few decades already, um, women have been having physical relationships with men to whom they are not married. Now, please, please understand, I'm now, (laughs) this is not, this is, I'm not speaking from a moral perspective now. I'm speaking strictly from a health perspective, a perspective of mental and physical health. That's all I'm talking about here. And so, as just as a simple fact, in a way that was not true in the 1950s, what is true since the, uh, started in the 60s, but by uh, 1990, it was well underway. So here we are, 33 years down the road. Obviously, a very large proportion of women have had physical relationships with men to whom they were not married and perhaps never did marry. And what happens in the majority of those cases, um, those men take off. Sometimes it's the woman who takes off, but more often than not, it's the man who moves on. Again, there are biological reasons for this, there are spiritual reasons, but whatever it is, you've got women who felt a deep affinity to the man with whom they slept, and he moves on. Sometimes he doesn't even call them. Sometimes he ghosts them. Sometimes he he calls up and, uh, and says, how are you doing? We must get together again sometime. But it becomes patently obvious that these are women, and again, if you understand the nomenclature of how the world really works, these are women whose husbands abandon them after the marriage. How do you think any woman feels whose husband abandons her after the wedding? Resentful? Anti-man? Hostile to men? I think yes, absolutely, totally understandable. Of course she feels that way. And and again, I, I ask uh, you men, put yourself as much as possible uh, into the, the mind of a woman here who gives herself in physical surrender and who forms uh, bonds with this man. It's not just a physical thing. It's whether she likes it or not. It may even often be subconscious. It becomes a real and powerful bond. And to her, the fact that it means nothing to him is profoundly painful. It produces so much hurt. And a girl with spirit very often converts that hurt into anger and resentment. Does she then decide she wants nothing more to do with men? Quite possibly. Very understandable. How many times does this have to to happen to a woman? Or it turns into anger and resentment. And what happens in a society 
where now large numbers of women, large numbers of women, have been abandoned by their husbands, quote. They never, they never got married, never intended to get married. In their conscious, willful minds, it was just an affair. It just was a physical relationship. Maybe they thought it was going to become more. Um, and, and for women, this has always been a tremendously problematic area. I mean, uh, should I uh, have a relationship with him? If I don't, other women will. And if I don't, he'll walk away. I, mean, I understand the pressure. But now is not the time for a sociological discussion about society. Now is not the time for an anthropological analysis of the nature of communities and societies and male-female relationships. This is strictly information for you to use in your own life and in the life of those through whom you are reaching into the future. Please don't leave it to gicks. Do not leave it to government indoctrination camps, otherwise known as public schools, to teach your children about male-female relationships. Don't do that. Realize that it is a simple reality of how the world really works. Intercourse equals marriage. Not morally, not legally, so biologically and mentally, subconsciously perhaps, but it'll help you understand why it is that something that the man said, hey, this is like a, a handshake. This is what friends do. You know, we, we sleep together. That's what we do. To the man, for him, walking away is the easiest thing in the world. But to her, it feels like a betrayal of the most grievous kind. Now, don't think for a moment that the man gets away with it as well. I, I assure you he doesn't. Uh, it has a very damaging impact on the man. A sequence of marriages that turn out to be nothing. Another time, because we're running out of time that I want to devote to uh, today's show, um, we'll talk at another time about the impact on men. I bet you have some ideas, by the way, and if you do, you should definitely go to rabbidaniellappin.com and let me know uh, what you think. Uh, or on whatever platform you're listening to this, there may be a place for comments. You can do that as well. All righty. So uh, that begins to uh, put us into the landing pattern. We're about to turn onto the downwind leg, and um, we will be coming in for a landing. So, uh, as your rabbi, I ask you to take very seriously this matter of making sure that in your life, your connection is not only to the present, to the people around you, your friends and your family, but it's also a connection to the past and to the future. Let me give you an example here for a moment, if I may. Look, uh, there's an element called potassium, okay? It's one of the elements in the periodic table. It's the 19th element. That means it has 19 protons in the nucleus. And um, our bodies need potassium. Now, you can live 
a full, happy, normal life uh, without even being aware that your body needs potassium as long as you eat a certain amount of beans and, oh, bananas, by the way, avocado, um, uh, broccoli, things like that. The, if you just eat normally and your diet includes bananas and avocado and dried fruits and raisins and beans, you're going to get the potassium your body needs. Uh, if you don't get it, if you don't get enough potassium, um, it's really not good because you will have deficiencies and uh, it affects your digestive system, even your bone strength, by the way. And um, if your potassium levels drop, you can have um, muscle weakness, exhaustion, tiredness, uh, abnormal heart rhythms. Now, most of us don't even think about it. You know why? Because we eat a normal diet. And our diet includes, you know, banana every now and then, avocado every now and then, beans, you know, the, the stuff in which your body gets enough potassium. But let's imagine for a moment that you move into a weird commune that insists on you eating only a certain kind of diet, uh, none of which includes the foods that provide potassium. You're totally unaware of this, right? The analogy is that we have moved into a society now where nobody tells you that you need connection with the past and the future, and you're in a society where it, nothing provides that. You're estranged from parents and grandparents. You're not having children. And so there you are, an orphan of time, and you're disconnected. You follow what I'm saying? So in a normal life, you're not even aware that your being desperately needs connection with the past and with the future because it's provided just the way potassium is provided when you live a normal life eating a normal diet. But when you move into another type of living, all of a sudden you're feeling tired and you're feeling uh, bone weakness and all kinds of things, and you don't have the faintest idea of why that is. Well, it's because you're not getting enough potassium, you idiot. Well, similarly here, all of a sudden, people start feeling depression, anxiety, unhappiness, um, all, all the classical symptoms of so-called mental disease. And all that's happening is you're living a lifestyle where normally connection to past and future is provided, except in the, the lifestyle you're living now, it's not there. And so um, I am pre prescribing to you, you happy warriors, I'm prescribing to you the vital necessity of connection to the past and connection to the future. And uh, if you come up with creative ways of doing that, if you can come up with additional ways of adding to your connection to the past and to the future, do write and let me know. Again, you, you can connect with me at rabbidaniellappin.com and, uh, and I will make them public uh, through the um, through this show. Let people know because there are many people who for one reason or another are not connected to, don't have children, are not connected to children. How else, what do you do? 
There are ways, there are things, there are ideas that will give you that desperately needed connection to the future, the potassium of the mind, if you like, the, uh, the solace for the soul. Uh, you're not even aware how much problem, how much pain is being caused by your lack of connection to past and future. And so that is what the purpose of this show is. Today, I wanted to share with you the wisdom from how the world really works that you can incorporate into your life in order to make sure you benefit as fully as possible. And uh, part of that, you'll remember, is get yourself the audio download right away of Madam I'm Adam. Uh, you do that at www.rabbidaniellappin.com. And you go to the store, you look for Madam I'm Adam, you download it. And, and this is something I would listen to uh, together with another person, somebody who is already part of your life, or maybe somebody you are thinking of making part of your life. Um, by the way, it's also something that uh, can be listened to with older children, children who adolescents and older. It can, it, again, don't let outsiders give your children their worldview when it comes to male-female relationships. You do that. And one of the ways of doing it without awkwardness and without saying, hey, son, I've got to have a talk with you about the birds and the bees. No, just listen with your child to Madam, I'm Adam, decoding marriage secrets from Eden. Uh, you'll, you'll enjoy it and it'll do wonders for your relationships. So until next week, I, your rabbi, thinking of you always, as I wish you, Continued growth onwards and upwards in your five F's, in your faith, in your family, in your friendships, in your finances, and your fitness, going into the past and forward into the future. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless.